David Sunday. Thanks for joining me. And if you want to reach out on social media and let me know what you think and let me know ideas for future episodes at Sunday underscore groove underscore on Twitter and Sunday groove dot Lillo on Instagram. This is episode 30. And I guess it's technically um, part five of a Metallica miniseries. And I think it's going to wrap it up for now. Um, but I hope you've been enjoying those, but if not, you'll get to hear a different topic next month. Um, I'll be doing a new Foo Fighters episode um, with my friend Greg Phillips, and it's going to be different than the last one that I did three years ago, which you probably don't remember anyway. But if you did, it's going to be a little different than that one, so um, it's not completely repeating things. So anyway, thanks for joining me this time. Um, Let me introduce my guest. He's... Um, a friend of mine, and he's the producer of my podcast and edits and all that stuff for me, um, Andy Helene. How are you, man? Hey, man. Uh, thanks for having me back on to talk Metallica. Of course, man. Now, uh, you, Greg, and Russell are probably the th- my friends that like really adore Metallica like I do, um, and kind of the same eras of Metallica as I do. Um, I guess being in the similar age group probably helps a lot with that. Um, yeah, we're I'm like the youngins, I guess. I guess we didn't grow up with the thrash Metallica, but we like Right, the, yeah. I think if we'd been like 10 years older, I think that's the crowd that um, loves the thrash and hates the <laughs> the 90s Metallica that we love. Um, so anyway, but yeah, I think that might be part yeah. of it. I don't think the thrash stuff's bad. It's like the classic stuff, but it's like, I guess Mm -hmm. I do. I just gravitate more towards like how we already talked about the Black Album and everything in that period. Right. I I think for me in particular, whatever my introduction to a band is, is always going to hold a special place in my heart and kind of, and often, not all the times, but often is my favorite of it. So that's just the way I kind of see it. I, I, I imagine it works that way for a lot of people. Just the nostalgia factor plays heavily in there. Um, and so like, as I've said before, like I spent so much time, like the most time I've spent was with the black album and reload and um, S and M, that sort of thing. Um, and the other albums I've spent a ton of time with too, but not, not nearly that much. Um, um, but I, being the holiday season, I kind of want to give a little shout out. Um, I know I've mentioned previously, I, this show has been around for basically three and a half years now. Obviously, I've missed a lot of show, uh, a lot of months over the years. Um, that's why I'm only on episode 30. But I am so thankful that I am still doing this and so thankful that 
years ago, I was encouraged to start it um, back when we were on the Place to Be Nation pop feed. Um, Greg Phillips, Nick Duke, um, Todd Weber, and Russell Sellers, um, and I, we were on a, a group podcast uh, on the Hard Drive and Fanboys, and we were just goofing off. It was a really long recording, and towards the end, uh, we were all promoting our stuff, and they're like, do you have anything to promote? And I'm like, well, I mean, n- nothing official. It's like, but I kind of want to do something like a music show. And they're like, well, do it. And they kept, you know, encouraging me and kind of helping me set it up. And so, like, over the years, like, they've obviously guested on the show and um, been on several episodes with me. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that was awesome. And then, like, I kind of wanted to put it down for a little while, just uh, lost inspiration and kind of got frustrated with some nonsensical things, but um, not important for the, those details. But Andy, uh, who I met through Facebook and through the podcasting world and all that kind of stuff, he would check in and be like, hey, you're doing another episode? And I'm like, I don't know. And <laughs> so it was always a source of inspiration and positivity. And it was very much appreciated because I um I lose focus pretty easily and sometimes I lose motivation um so anyway I want to say thank you man so much for helping with the show and um just in, you know giving me motivation and ideas and all that kind of stuff uh well congrats on uh 30 episodes now too thanks man yeah, yeah uh, it blows my mind like uh, <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's been three years but it it has um well, you kind of helped get me more into Queen. I mean, the movie had came out, and you had asked me prior to the movie coming out if I wanted to do an episode with you. And I'm like, uh, I do, but I want to be like at a level where I feel confident enough to talk about them. Um, like, I didn't want to seem like I was like half-assing it. Not that I would, but I was like, well, I want to know everything about Queen. So then you kind of gave me some time to like dive in. So uh, thanks for kind of... Uh, helping cultivate like my interest in uh, Queen too. Oh, of course. I, I, any, I love getting people into any music, but Queen holds such a special place in my heart because I mean that was. I would consider them the first like rock band that I started becoming obsessed with um, because um, I'd only heard up to that point just a little bit of rock, but it was mostly uh, country and gospel and um, Weird Al. Like that's all the, that I'd heard really um, up in like I think fourth grade, and uh, my friend from actually, funnily enough, uh, Illinois, uh, he uh, he was a military kid, and he uh, gave me a a cassette that he'd recorded of uh, classic Queen, and that was all it wrote. That was what got me into rock and roll, um, uh, hearing Stone Cold Crazy and other songs like that. I was just like this is a band that I adore. And this is a band that's got so much range that I'll probably never stop listening to them. Yeah. They do have like so much, not, I guess range, like how we had talked about them too. Like the seven early seventies is so different from like another one bites the dust or even the later stuff, but it's still, it still sounds like the same band. Right. Yeah. They like to evolve over time for sure and like to try different things they did not want to be just one thing um yeah the 70s stuff is so 
so so different um but yeah so yeah i'm uh, always uh been happy to have you on the show and um have you reaching out because yeah i I don't know i guess i guess especially when we were transitioning to the new network i was just like i don't know if i really want to do it um and then once i started i was very glad and haven't wanted to stop since yeah man and then it's going to kind of circle back around because a stone cold crazy now metallica is on this album we're going to talk about too right so yes um yeah that's gonna be um as soon as I said that, I'm like, it wasn't an intentional reference. That was just yeah. one of the songs that originally stuck out to me and probably was kind of prepped me for metal because I hadn't heard any at that, that stage. And that is definitely one of their most mellow metal type songs, not mellow. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I guess that's enough sentimental for now. I just wanted to be in the holiday season and just like genuinely just kind of joy came to me recently. I was just like, oh, I need to be appreciative for that because it really – was something oh the last thing I will say about it years ago I did um, uh, music write-ups for uh, the school paper uh, the college paper that I went uh, to and I did that and I was considered doing that after the fact but like I write so much at work and when I come home I really don't want to write a lot and so it was kind of like what can I do with music now and then podcasting just kind of became made the most sense because it kind of blended still album reviews, but also kind of gave my love of kind of listening to DJs and all that kind of stuff kind of melded those together in a world where I could do technically anything since it's, (laughs) uh, you know, podcast and there's no, there's pretty much no limits. Um, So anyway, yeah, that was, I think that was the last point I wanted to make. Um, so, as always, uh, we do a segment called Current Spins, and if you're new, that is simply something you've been listening to a lot. It doesn't have to be technically current music, but it's just something you've currently been listening to. Um, so, um, what what do you have for me this month, um, Andy? Anything in particular? Uh, this month, I've been like, well, I listen like I'm kind of like you, like I'm all over the place, so it's hard to really nail down like one thing. But um, I think earlier in the year, I had done one of my own podcast episodes, um, and I was diving into like Black Sabbath albums. And at the time, I noticed online there was an album that had came out called uh, Jazz Sabbath, where it's like this uh, a jazz trio is doing uh, versions of um, Sabbath songs as just instrumental jazz with like what upright bass, piano and drums and I was like oh my god oh, wow. this is so like like off the wall but it sounds really good and then uh so I noticed it came out at the time in the spring but then just last week I think it was on Black Friday they released a a blue colored vinyl version of that and it was like limited to only like 1100 copies and I ended up getting one and so I even introduced another friend named uh, David, who uh, is a co-worker, you know, introduced him to that. And he's like, he was in love with it, too, and posted about it on Instagram. And even the Jazz Sabbath liked his post. Nice. I'll have to check that out. That's I love little niche um, covers, like where they, 
they do kind of reinvent it. Like, did you ever listen to Apocalyptica when they covered um, a lot of Metallica songs? Just they, I think they just did instrumental versions at that point on cellos. Yeah, but then like I think I heard of them more when they started doing their own uh, songs, and they did some album where I think Corey Taylor sang and the guy from Three Days Grace. And stuff, mm-hmm. and then I kind of went back to the original. The uh, the original concept was just, um, I guess Metallica covers. Okay, see, I, I had, I'm not gonna say it was in real time. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was at the time when I heard of them. Uh, I think it was only they had just done the Metallica thing, and so I remember it was kind of a way that I could listen Metallica while studying, um, because if there's vocals, I have a hard time listening to music while I'm trying to retain information um okay. but if it's instrumental that's perfect and i would get so bored with uh like classical and stuff like that when i was doing studying and everything so that kind of became my study music for a while there <laughs> uh, oh cool but yeah i like their later stuff when they have guest vocalists on that was pretty cool uh, a lot of good songs um well my first one is uh big hit right now it's uh only a few weeks old is shame shame by foo fighters um it's so different and catchy and it's not at all what i wanted originally and like when i heard it i was just like what are they doing and like this is catchy but like why are they doing this why why are they changing it up and at first it was just kind of uh took a little bit to grow on me and now i love it i mean i'm still not uh, i highly doubt this is going to be my favorite album by no means but still I'm very happy for something new with Foo Fighters and I have to admire the fact that they like to change it up and not just do the same thing um, so uh, yeah Shame Shame was, is a cool song uh, watch the SNL performance that's really good um, actually watch both the SNL performances if you um, get a chance they did a very almost kind of haunting version of uh, times like these uh, with a lot more uh, keyboards in it. Um, It's probably the slowest version I've ever heard of times like these, but it's not like a bad thing. It's just um, kind of a cool for a one-off. Did you happen to hear that? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like watch the show live, but I went like back and like checked it out. Well, those were the only worthwhile things to watch of the episode. I watched the whole thing because it was Chappelle on the show, and I love Chappelle, but it was definitely one of the worst Saturday Night Live episodes as a whole that I've seen, but oh. the music performances were great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited know. for the uh, um, new album because uh, uh, I think you had even said they're using the same producer from Concrete and Gold, that uh, Greg uh, Kirsten, so I feel like they're going to go mm-hmm. deeper into the into that style like it's not going to be like a rock album basically yeah all the interviews i've listened to with them um they kind of want to do um kind of a dance rock album and not like um (laughs) like pop rock but like as in like a david bowie type thing um uh, that's kind of kind of what they had in mind when they did this album um because they're like, you know, we've never done an album like that. And obviously, yeah, with a more polished pop producer, it's going to gonna have a different sound, as did Concrete and Gold. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. 
uh, that comes out in February. Um, so you, do you have any other new stuff or just current obsessions? Uh, well, um, just basically the jazz Sabbath and like Metallica. And then I've kind of, uh, went back to some other stuff I was listening to. Like, I think I mentioned typo negative before. And one day at work, I just dove right back into them again and had like a playlist going. Yeah, I need to go back to them. The the couple songs I heard I liked pretty well, but it wasn't like something that grabbed me massively. So I haven't listened to but maybe like five of their songs or so. Yeah, like I think they're they are like an acquired like taste because I'm not even like totally into the first like two albums, but uh the like more like a I guess I hate to call it goth or something, but the gothy kind of metal stuff, that's what I like because it like Sounds so haunting or something. And then that guy's voice, it just sounds like Dracula has a metal band. So that's why I like it. (laughs) Or it kind of even sounds like, what was that? In that, like, forgetting Sarah Marshall, where there's a Dracula, the musical, and he's like, oh, oh, oh. Or something (laughs) like it sounds like that. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's so corny, but it's kind of cool. That was always one of my favorite parts of uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. I watched that over and over again, and my friend Nick and I used to uh, sing that musical part. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the best part of that movie. It is, yeah. Um, and uh, yes, I remember we did that all the time. I, there was something I was going to say about it, but oh, oh, so it was almost a, almost perfect that not long after that was when Chinese Democracy came out, and it sounds like Dracula sings on that album at times. Like, I don't know if that's Axel using a different voice or if it's a different person doing backup, but it really sounds like Dracula. Um, <laughs> and it's, I mean, as you know, that's a horrible album, but I, just, uh, uh, maybe that's a good, yeah, there's a future, uh, a Sunday groove, maybe Chinese okay. democracy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I want to talk about that now. Okay. Um, so since you mentioned, I guess Dracula, not to take over your show. No, no, you're fine. I mean, I don't think it's that horrible, really. Maybe I need to listen to it again. I know I actually do own a copy because um, I remember Best Buy at some point, it just wasn't selling. So, like, they sold it for like $4 or something. So, I'm like, yeah, I might as well buy it. Um, At that point, I'd listen to it a ton online, but I just wanted to have a copy. But it's been so many years since I listened. But sticking with the Dracula theme, there's a song that I started listening to this week uh, because I was watching Sonic Highways, uh, the Foo Fighters series, um, and they featured some music by the Butthole Surfers. <laughs> and so I kind of went down the Butthole Surfers uh, hits, and there's a really cool one called Dracula from Houston. Um, that and Pepper are probably their two catchiest songs and probably the most musical of their songs because some of theirs are kind of just noise um but that was kind of catchy this week that i listened to are you familiar with them at all yeah yeah i'm familiar like i know the pepper song isn't their one cd cover it's like the uh, drawing of that guy with the pencil up his nose or something like that yeah i I think think. through his ear yeah yeah um and that's as deep as my knowledge goes but then like i think last year stone temple pilots uh, they reissued like purple and like a deluxe thing, and I ended up buying that. And um, 
I didn't know that one of their songs, I think it might be Loungefly, the guy from Butthole Surfers like plays a guitar solo or something on that. Isn't like Paul Leary? Oh, wow. Okay. And I guess, yeah, that's the only other thing that kind of like stood out to me about it. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of different, kind of cool. Yeah, they're a band that I was aware of for a long time because one of my friends in high school liked them a good bit, or maybe two of my friends that were mostly into like grunge and punk, but they also really liked them. Um, but yeah, so that I was just going in order of what kind of in, inspired me or hit me, but uh, I know I've uh, previously mentioned. Uh, the Tom Petty Wildflowers and all the rest that that's kind of been in pretty regular rotation uh, over the last couple months uh, since that came out. Um, I, my favorite part of it, I like the new rec- uh, the unreleased songs, but really my favorite parts are the um, home recordings. I think that's kind of where it shines. Uh, some of his him demo in the songs at home, and one of the weirdest things. Is and I didn't write it down, so I don't remember which song it was. Um, he used some lyrics. Oh, you know, okay. Uh, he used the original version of "You Don't Know How It Feels," featured some lyrics that he ended up later putting in a different song oh, yeah. um, on the album. So I thought that was really cool because it was uh, the uh, some of the things I worry about never happen anyway, uh, or most of the things I worry about never happen anyway. That was originally in You Don't Know How It Feels, but it later became in I Cannot Remember Which Song It Is. But um, that that's that line resonates with me because I'm a warrior and, <laughs> and and most of what I worry about doesn't matter, but it just it does to me. And at the time, uh, you know, it feels like it's going to happen. So um, that was kind of cool. Uh, but the two most random things over the last two weeks for me to listen to are not new but I just had to mention them. Um, I don't know if you just have bad mornings where you wake up unmotivated and just not really in a good mood. Yeah. Do, do you have? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, like lately my brain's done a good job about kind of helping me with it and just kind of like remembering random stuff from the past. And so like uh, one of those mornings um, I was just in the shower and um, wasn't really feeling the day, wasn't really, <laughs> uh, wanting to go to work, all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, something from integrity blues, uh, the Jimmy world album from 2016 came into my head. And so as soon as I hopped out of the shower, I popped that on and it was just like the perfect mixture of rock and mellow to just like not stress me out while I was, um, making my lunch and doing other things to get ready for work. Like it just was the perfect thing. And um, I listened to it for like three days straight, pretty much. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, and so it was kind of cool because it was like uh, my brain's way of saying, all right, you need something. Uh, here, here, here's your medicine or whatever, you know. Um, so um, your music medicine. And um, yeah, uh, I know I said this to Andy, but uh, Past the Baby is definitely one of the coolest songs on there. Um, it's such a weird like not techno but like it has like some electronics and stuff in it, the earlier parts of it but towards the end like they get like heavy like almost metal as they're rocking the song out so it's a really 
interesting mix. Um, but it's just a beautiful album. And I, I know I liked it at the time, but I don't think I stuck with it very long. And I know I've listened to it since, but like, it's one I forget about. And I need to just keep it in regular rotation because it, yeah, it just really was a great album to listen to while getting ready. And like I say, it was just kind of one of those perfect things to keep me energetic, but also not like overly um, stimulated with like heavy metal. Cause sometimes heavy metal in the morning can kind of, I don't know, get me rushing around and I don't know, just like it fuels my anxiety sometimes first thing in the morning. I don't know. Um, so yeah, if you haven't ever heard integrity blues, integrity blues, check it out. Um, and definitely check out past the baby. That is the, that's the song for sure. But the other thing like that this week was um, just randomly, I got the desire to listen to Californication um, by Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I just started with the first track. And um, All Around the World is just such an energetic um, track that all next thing I know, I'm just like strutting around my apartment um, <laughs> and dancing while I'm getting ready. And it was just like so perfect. Um, and that will always be one of my favorite Peppers albums because uh, it's got that s- incredible bass and drum groove that they do so well. But then it's just got catchy songs and even the dumb ones like the I like dirt and um, <laughs> the one that's called well, it's not called summertime, but it is summertime spelled backwards is the name of the song. But it's <laughs> it's like even those songs. that are Oh, just that's like, what that um, is. It's like Emmett. I got. Uh, something mm-hmm. Emmett Remus or something like yes. that, and I was like, I was always wondering what that was. Oh my God, it's summertime backwards. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I didn't put that together until recent years, and uh, and when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, that's right, that is what that is. But yes, um, <laughs> they have nonsensical titles, they have a lot of nonsense, nonsensical lyrics at times, but it is just such a great album. Like, even though I've heard. Uh, scar tissue and other side and stuff like that way too many times and scar tissue was never one of my favorite songs off of it it's just it's a great album um so yeah if you haven't listened to that in a long time or never listened to it go back to it it's a definitely worthwhile (laughs) so anyway i don't want to make that segment too long so we'll just stick with that that was just kind of the new stuff that's coming out i know paul mccartney has a new album coming out in like a week or so so i'm really looking forward to that i don't know if he's released a single i haven't heard it if he has um but i know i heard him on a podcast promoting it and that was pretty cool um but other than that i can't remember if there's oh 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 yeah yeah, yeah. sorry uh, the one last thing uh smashing pumpkins they just had a new album come out um and i'm digging it it's very different and um and that, I, I guess that's kind of a good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking forward to that and uh, um, coming out because they released like half the album, like in advance of it. Hmm. I, I didn't end up buying it though. Like I wanted to get it on vinyl, like like when it came out. But I'd already got that Jazz Sabbath, and then I saw that the uh, Pumpkins thing was like almost fifty dollars where I was at, and I was like, "Ooh, no, I'm not getting this right now." <laughs> Maybe a little yeah, bit I forget, later. I forget you uh, buy it all on vinyl. Um, I just, 
either stream on Spotify or get CDs. Um, so I, um, oh, which I didn't buy that one, but I, um, most of mine I don't pay more than 15 bucks for, so it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah the Jazz Sabbath thing ended up being like, uh, it was like 30 bucks. And then I bought something for a buddy for Christmas, and that was another 20 bucks. I'm like, I'm not going to spend another $50, but just on one album, because I already spent 50 on two. Yeah. So. Now, random aside, do you remember Billy Corgan's one album, one off project called Zwan? Yeah. C-W-A-N. There's another band called Zwan. Really? And. Yes, because I went to listen to that album on Spotify, and it's one of this other band from like 2016 or so. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to either dig out that album or rebuy it. Um, because actually, no, I never bought um, that album. I had a copy from Russell. So, yeah, I might just buy it if I can find it. But, yeah, it was so weird. I'm like, why is this album not available on Yeah, Spotify? like I think now that you mention it too, like Zeitgeist – from like 2007 isn't streaming anywhere either and i remember i used to have that cd but it's one i i kind of didn't like at the time so i traded it in or something for store credit or whatever just getting rid of a bunch of cds and then when i was going to see them a couple years ago when they got kind of back together with james eha i was like i want to listen to this album but i can't find it anywhere so i had to go buy a copy and uh i think yeah that's not Online yeah, it's not for whatever out. reason. Yeah, I gotta find my external hard drive. Actually, I know where it is. I just gotta dig through my closet to get to that bag because uh, that should be ripped. I, I lost some that I that I bought and ripped to my uh, computer, and um, that computer died. So I lost some things, but um, I think that Zeitgeist should have been in that era uh, on that hard drive. So I need to just do that because yeah, I remember. We were talking about it, and I remember you had better memories of it than I did. And I'm like, oh, I'll go back to it. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I can't find it anywhere. Um, but, yeah, the, the new Pumpkins album is very different. Um, but I was digging it yesterday, the first like six songs or so. Um, but, anyway, I could go forever on this segment, and I don't mean to. So, um, as Andy alluded to earlier, um, we're going to talk about uh, Garage Inc., uh, which was – an album they recorded in 98 when they were on their very, um, in my opinion, best sounding era of them. And they were just feeling creative. They just finished touring um, and they wanted to record something, but they didn't have any material. So they decided to, uh, while they were feeling energized, record something new. So they compiled a bunch of songs and finally, narrowed it down to 11 new tracks they wanted to record and did that and um, put that out with uh, a lot of the cover songs they'd done in the 80s. And uh, so that was just a, I thought that was pretty cool background for that. That's just like, well, let's just throw um, some love towards bands that we love. And even in some situations, collaborate with them, like on Tuesdays Gone. Um, where they actually had a lot of the members of uh, Leonard Skinner record with them. Um, so what are your memories with this album, or what, what uh, is your uh, relationship with it, Andy? Um, my, uh, I think I got it. It's hard to tell. I think I got it 
shortly after it came out because this was like when I was like super diving into like Metallica. How I said like the uh, stuff I think from '97, like the uh, Reload singles and stuff, were the ones I was buying because I was buying more uh, singles and stuff at the time. And I just remember um, I even had the poster of the back. Uh, cover like where it's like I guess the old a uh, photo from the 80s where they put the uh, tape of the new faces on them or whatever I had a big poster of that so um, I remember too like like a couple that really stood out was like the Misfits uh, covers that were on there because <laughs> yeah like that kind of led me like deeper into like Glenn Danzig so I like the Misfits stuff so I started listening to that then I got into Danzig uh, so it ended up being kind of like a gateway for me to uh, hear other bands that I wouldn't have heard otherwise. And it's kind of right. funny now. It's kind of weird. Like re- I hadn't revisited this in so long until like the last few years. And I feel like all the songs that I liked at the time in like the like 98, 99, 2000 and all that. All the ones that jump out at me now and I go back to, it's like the opposite of like what I listened to before. So maybe my taste has changed or something. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I guess, like I said, like I like the Misfits covers. I really liked uh, like the Budgie stuff. And I guess <laughs> yeah. I liked the M.I. Evil and like Blitzkrieg. And I even liked uh, like the Small Hours and stuff. So mostly the stuff, I guess, from Disc 2 stood out, but... I think mostly what kind of stands out now is more like disc one. Like I like, uh, excuse me, Sabra Cadabra, the, uh, um, I guess merciful fate, a medley, but maybe, mm-hmm. uh, the one that like, I just absolutely love is the Prince. That is one of the heaviest like songs like on there. And it, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I even noticed something too. Uh, it's like, I think the Prince is one of four covers from Diamond Head, and it's kind of crazy that all the all the Diamond Head songs are all from one album. Oh wow! Okay. From that band, I think they all say "From Lightning to the Nations." Excuse me, um, and I, uh, I guess with the Prince, I'm a big Megadeth fan too, and they have a like a B side called uh, "Crown of Worms," uh, where Dave Mustaine. Uh, he like co-wrote it with uh, one of the guys from Diamond Head, and it's like I know it's getting back into Garage Inc. Like that song, The Prince. It's like they basically, I think, inverted or reverse part of this song. Like the main uh, uh, riff in The Prince is the intro riff on Crown of Worms, and then the main. A riff on Crown of Worms is the intro to uh, The Prince or something. Hmm. It's just weird how the song, like, they have, like, a riff and then the opening part, they just flipped it for the other song. Right. That's cool. You want to know a really random thought for many years before uh, Wikipedia or before I used Wikipedia? uh, When I was looking at the liner notes for the album... I had always assumed that King Diamond was a member of Diamond Head because that just in my head made sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And so, like, it wasn't until very recently that I found out, no, King Diamond's for a merciful fate. Um, and <laughs> so, yeah, I really, for the longest time, I think I even told people, I was like, yeah, uh, it's kind of cool. They do a King Diamond song, then they uh, do a, um, a lot of Diamond Head songs. So it's all the same people or whatever. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Diamond Head, dude, the one I really, really like um I like Helpless okay, but hold on, where is it? Uh yeah, Amable's good. Uh The Prince obviously. Yeah, it's electric. I don't love as much anymore. Hmm. Um, but it's good for sure. But yeah, I think I think probably the Prince is the one that stands up the most. Actually, I got confused. The one that I've always loved is the one two punch of um the small hours into the weight. I thought those were more in particular the uh the small hours I thought was just great and I would listen to over and over again. Um I don't know why, but I would the, just those two together really stood out to me and looks like I've never heard of either one of these bands but Holocaust and Killing Joke, but I really like those a lot as a drummer. It just has some pretty cool complex drum parts that made those stand out to me. I think I noticed too, like going back, like speaking of those songs, like I didn't write this down in my notes or whatever, but now that you mentioned those songs, it's kind of popping out. Like the bass like, seems to really like pop out on the small hours and like those songs from that, I guess, Garage Days Revisited. Mm-hmm. And now it, like just mentioning that, it sounds weird how the bass really pops on those, but then everybody says that the bass is like non-existent on Injustice for All. But you think that since they recorded um, those prior to uh, like... It was what a way to break uh, Jason Newstead in and do some covers and stuff before they did an album with him. It's like you'd think that they would have actually messed with the bass on that than the actual album, right? That would make sense, but maybe um, something happened in between those two, I guess. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, wasn't the Garage Days, it was originally 87? Yeah, 1987. So, yeah, it was right after Cliff's death and right before. Injustice, so that is bizarre. But yeah, there's definitely some prominent bass on several of the songs. I'd actually forgotten because I don't know if I'd ever listened with good headphones, but um, this week I was listening to it every time with good headphones and really noticed the bass in a lot of the songs. Yeah. Like one thing with the weight is I did write this down and I've always noticed it because I think – they use that song in like School of Rock too. There's like something where yes. all hopping in Dewey's like um, his van, and then it's like they play like the intro to that song. So I always thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. That's so funny that you mentioned that because I was I was about to Google to make sure I was right before I said that. Uh, yeah, I watched that movie a few months ago, and I was like, uh, I'm embarrassed to admit that I was like, I know it's Metallica, but what song is this? It, I was just blanking and. Um, because it didn't get into any of the vocals or anything or in the lyrics. It was just the music part. There's the really heavy riff. Yeah. Like it's um, weird how they would just out of all the Metallica songs, they would use a cover song. And then the rest of the movie is all classic rock songs too, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like it, it stands out, but it always stood out as cool though. Mm-hmm. That and immigrant song when Jack Black singing that in the van are always like my two favorite music moments in that movie. Um, 
because I had never cared for Immigrant Song that much until that. And then I was like, that's really awesome. <laughs> let's rock. Let's rock today. <laughs> um, so when I bought the album, um, I was all about the first disc for the longest time. Um, I, at the time, loved anything that was heavy. So I loved Free Speech for the Dumb, which doesn't really stand out to me anymore. It's electric. I really loved. Um, And then I went to the more, oh, and the more I see, I liked a lot. Um, But then for some reason, I also really connected the entire time with Turn the Page and Whiskey in the Jar. Um, And to a lesser extent, Tuesday's gone. Um, But um, as I've gotten older, some of the tracks that I adore more than anything are um, Loverman, Astronomy, and Merciful Fate Medley. Um, like, the Merciful Fate Medley has got to be one of the most rocking things they've ever done. Um, like, it sounds so good, and it's so cool how they blend all those songs together. I want to say that we got a hold of that on either Rock Band or maybe one of the Metallica uh, Guitar Hero, like, expansions or something like that because i remember playing those songs um with fake instruments and and that's when i really started paying attention to the lyrics more and it just made me laugh but um the music is so good have you ever listened to um anything from like merciful fate or king diamond Yes, like and the actual that song settos just throws me off because i'm so used to james's you know kind of baritone voice singing these songs and to hear um the of the pharaohs. Uh, <laughs> I cannot as hard as I try I cannot get into that band but that music is so like killer though I mean it's like right. awesome but I'm like sorry to anybody who is a King Diamond or Merciful Fate fan I'm sorry I just cannot get into it I know I like Judas Priest but Rob Halford doesn't do that on every single album. He doesn't right. do that, so it's kind of it varies it up enough. It was maybe ten years ago when Greg first played uh, actual Merciful Fate for me, and we could not stop laughing. And because it's just so bizarre, like why does he think he's got to go up that high every single time? And like it doesn't even fit the song. Um, so yeah, no, I, I can't get into uh, Merciful Fate as a band, but like if they just did instrumentals of those songs, yeah, I would love it. And of course, with James's voice, I love. Um, or if Metallica instead of doing a cover album of other of stuff like Sabbath and you know like Bob Seger and stuff, if they just covered an entire Merciful Fate album, that would be freaking awesome. Like I would buy that. I would like worship that. yeah um it's so funny and in high school that uh those songs really made me uncomfortable just growing up um in a christian household and everything and hearing all these um you know lucifer and all this kind of stuff and now i just laugh at it because honestly i feel so few metal people um actually believe any of that crap they're just saying it because that's what metal does in a lot of situations um, but as a kid, that really made me uncomfortable. I was just like, what are they, are, are they Satan worshipers? Like, Oh, you know, what, what's the deal with this? 
um, one of my friends pointed out to me, uh, probably in college, he was like, you do realize, like, there's not many people that actually worship Satan. There's, you know, a lot of atheists and agnostics, but, like, it's kind of a, a, a kind of a very niche thing. But, yeah, just metal, they just talk about that stuff. And a lot of times, I guess, just to try to sound cool or whatever. It just comes with the territory with being in an 80s metal band. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to sing about Satan, like the number of the beast and whatever. Right. <laughs> Shout at the devil. (laughs) Right. Um, That's like uh, the Tenacious D movie. Um, If that had come out like 10 years before, it would have freaked me out. But like watching it in college, I was like, this is awesome. But I remember watching with like one of my super conservative Christian friends. um, And like me and one of my friends were like singing to every single song on it. And then we had like two really conservative Christian friends that were just like, so uncomfortable the whole time of all the um, devil jokes and stuff in the whole movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an HSD pick, pick a destiny. There's a lot of weird stuff in there, but that just goes with that territory as well. There is one little kind of weird little thing I have to mention too about like whiskey in the jar. Mm-hmm. Um Excuse me, over the last, like, two years, I kind of got into running, like, 5Ks. I'm not, like, this hardcore regular, like, runner, but I kind of like doing, like, the 5Ks and things. And there was one in Peoria uh, called the Whiskey Daddle. And so I had made, like, I think when I was gearing up for some of them and running, like, I wanted, like, music. Uh, so so the first 5K I did, I had, like, a Megadeth playlist, and I just threw some songs together the next one I did was a whiskey daddle. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to have whiskey in the jar. Just that song on repeat the whole <laughs> whole time I'm running. I think I went six or seven times and it was just kind of funny. Nice. Yeah, they have a really cool whiskey in the jar shirt that I've always wanted. And I'll probably eventually get. Um, but yeah, that's always been a fun song. Um, I will throw one caveat on there. Like, Growing up in the South and um, growing up, I, I really appreciate a lot of Leonard Skinner stuff. I hate the fact that they use the Confederate flag and their, a lot of their images. That annoys the crap out of me, and so that doesn't age so well. But, like, musically, they were a very talented band, and um, some of their songs, like Simple Man, I adore. I hate with a passion, Sweet Home Alabama, mm. that song. I would love to go my entire life without hearing it, but unfortunately – being from Alabama and seeing tons of tons of shows in Alabama, if a band plays in Alabama, they just think they have to play that. And I'm like, you realize outside of like frat boys and like just your basic people, and I mean no offense there, but I, well, maybe I do. I don't know. No, I don't mean any offense. But like a lot of us hate that song. Like, it's, And it's almost kind of pandering to us to play that. Um, and if you want to get down to it, they weren't being serious. They don't like Alabama. like that song like i remember i've heard plenty of interviews like it was joking around about a lot of it but that becoming one of their biggest songs is so ridiculous um and also while i'm speaking about that band if you want to hear cool versions of some of their early stuff listen to their muscle shoals recordings um back before skinner did it so big um their first version of um freebird was recorded in Muscle Shoals, um, Alabama, up uh, north 
kind of northwest um, Alabama, out in the middle of nowhere. And um, that album ended up getting scrapped, and they ended up later re-recording it um, because they were really fighting with the label because the song is so long. Mm. Um, And yet they still (laughs) released it later (laughs) on a different album. But yeah, the, the Muscle Shoals recordings are so cool because that had a very swampy vibe um really um kind of heavy blues and other stuff in there mixed more so than just their typical skinner thing so anyway uh, i just wanted to throw that out there because i had all I by no means condoning you know these of a confederate flag or anything like that but as a band i just look at it, that level I, I appreciate them um yeah i kind of i kind of got a a few years ago, a little bit more like appreciation for him. Cause like working in a classic rock station for years and then like growing up listening to like, like the radio, uh, it was always like, yeah, sweet home, Alabama or like free bird or like, I don't know, like three or four other songs. And you'd always hear those. And I got so like damn tired of those. But mm-hmm. then a few years ago they used uh free bird I think it was in that uh, Kingsman movie where they're fighting. And I was oh like, Oh my God. Yeah. 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 I was like, Oh my God. Okay. That is, that's a cool scene. And the music, like it fit with it. So I was like, maybe I'll kind of like, I think around then I was like, I'll give them a chance. And I never realized that that first album has basically like all those huge hits are on that first album. And it's like, anytime everybody talks about classic rock debut albums, they're like, Oh man, the first Van Halen album, or Appetite for Destruction, or even like the Cars' first album. All those have like those classic songs. I think even Boston, but the two you really hear people talking about is first Van Halen album, first Guns N' Roses album. I think the Leonard Skinner first album should be always mentioned in those conversations as like great debut albums. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, yeah, it's got Tuesdays. I didn't realize Tuesdays Gone was on the first album. Um, then Give Me Three Steps, Simple Man, and Freebird. Yeah, yeah see, awesome. there's the four huge ones that are still on the radio, like played like basically every day. You'll hear those songs on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I think I've really only listened to the first like two albums. I haven't really listened to anything else, but maybe I'll I'll check out that Muscle Shoals. Yeah, you should. I, uh, I watched. It was a really well. If you can find it, it used to be on Netflix. A Muscle Shoals documentary. Like, even being from Alabama, I didn't know where Muscle Shoals were was because that's so far from where I am. Um, but so much really important rock was recorded there. Like Stones recorded there. Um, the Rolling Stones. Uh, let's see. Uh, who else recorded? Like everybody. Aretha Franklin. A lot of these blues guys. Like it was really cool. And really crazy because a lot of the bands were recording there during like segregation, but somehow they got around it and would still um, record in this very, very white town. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's what kind of what I went down that um, wormhole of music um, after watching that documentary. I'm like, that's really cool because um, even the Black Keys, like right before a few, uh, few years for that album, for that album, for that studio shut down they recorded brothers there so like so many bands just wanted to record there because of the history and it is definitely a no frills recording studio um it is all about the 
engineers and the bands, uh, like the studio bands would help out too. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Freebird, what got you into it. The first time I started appreciating that song again was Elizabethtown because it played in a really powerful scene. Um, hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I know. It's okay, um, but the music is beautiful. It's a Cameron Crowe movie, and that's something he does well is um, picking songs for his album or for his movies. But sorry, I, I didn't mean to go off my little Leonard Skinner oh, thing. Oh, it's okay. Let's see. Um, <laughs> So um, back to Garage Inc. Uh, so I've always loved Turn the Page. Like I said, um, Astronomy by Blue Oyster Cult. Um, I think that's a pretty cool cover. Um, uh, yeah, like I like I like Astronomy way more than the Blue Oyster Cult one. That's a band where I, I keep trying to get into it because one of my best friends, Jim Glass, like shout out to Jim. He uh, he loves that band, and he's like seen that band like I think fifty times. And he even did something like after he graduated like high school, where he kind of followed him around for a little bit in the Midwest. He's seen them so many times, and it's like I keep trying to get into that band. And they have some cool songs, but some of them I'm kind of like, uh, okay, maybe maybe it's like a production thing or something. Back then, there was like a huge heavy focus on keyboards at certain times or I don't know, but I think Metallica, they just like totally like own that song. So like, I, I just really like um, their version more than the uh, original. Oh, me too. For sure. That version is so well done. And this, and this just comes in this, like that first disc, you know, it was produced in 98. And I mean, this is when, um, like I said, they were sounded their best. Uh, Bob Rock was doing good stuff, um, <laughs> <laughs> providing great production and engineering at that time. Uh, so, um, here's a thought I have for this album. Okay. Um, and it's been rattling around in my head for a while, but here's not to take over your show. But here's my thought on this album. Like, right, so. In the 90s, it kind of, we mentioned how it kind of split the fan base in Metallica. You have the thrash guys. Then you have the people like us who kind of came in because we were a certain age. And they were like all over the radio. And then you got people saying, oh, they sold out. They cut their hair. They sold out and whatever (laughs) and whatnot. Do you think that like there was a big gap too between the Black Album what in 91 and then load and reload were like 96, 97. And they did do like mama said and like low man lyrics. So they had some like country flavor in there. Mm-hmm. After I kind of revisited this album, do you think that if they had done a whole bunch of covers like this, released that covers album in between the black album and load and reload, do you think it would have like, uh, soften the blow to some of those fans I, because like they would have heard like uh, the uh, turn the page cover or this lover man so it kind of would have eased them into like mama said you know I've never thought about that but yeah probably um, because I've, it would have shown uh, this side of them before you know before they did their own versions kind of of that style um, 
as people definitely weren't expecting that and obviously a lot hated it <laughs> but yeah i think so or um, do you think actually like they might have cried like sell out or foul even more because because with turn the page being a cover they would have had this huge hit with someone else's song coming off of like Inner Sandman and even one before that so it might have even pissed them off even more if they're like hey what the hell's going on here <laughs> it's hard to say because I mean some people are just gonna hate um, no matter what like if you change they're just gonna hate it and I don't know there's there's no pleasing certain people uh, so it's hard to say um, it definitely would I think kind of smooth the transition a little better for some people but, um, yeah, I still think when you come down to it, some people are just going to be like, nope, I like that one style of them that every album has to be like that. Otherwise, I'm done. I guess I thought, yeah, like it would have showed their headspace or where they're coming from. Like, hey, we've got more interests and in things that like are meaningful to us than just metal or whatever. So right. here's kind of a here's kind of who we are. Uh, but, yeah, like. I mean, like you said, you're still going to have some like people resisting it. I but. wonder how well this album sold. Um, I think so. it would probably still sell pretty well anyways. Like, because you have that second disc where a lot of that stuff, like the Garage Days or whatever, would have been just vinyl EPs and stuff. And now here they're like... Hey, like we're putting out all of our stuff from our catalog right here. Mm-hmm. Like, which I kind of oh, like. They did that with uh, the Hardwired. We didn't talk about that album, uh, but like they kind of almost did uh, the same thing with that third like bonus disc. They're kind of like, hey, here's some covers we've been working on over the years and some live stuff. Here you go. We'll just kind of add it as a bonus to this too, just so we've got all of our stuff out of our archives. Yes, that was cool. And also on that one on Hardwired was you finally got a a official release of Lords of Summer, yeah. um, which they'd been playing but um, had never been on anything. Um, yeah, I, I was so glad I sprung for the special edition of that and got the third disc because to me that's some of my favorite stuff because it's them sounding amazing like on the on the live versions that took yeah. some of their best live versions. Uh, recorded and then um, it's got so many good covers on it. Um, yeah, one that stood out to me was like "Remember Tomorrow," the Iron Maiden cover on there. Because uh, this is a total side note, I guess, but I uh, getting into Iron Maiden like uh, for years. I just heard the Bruce Dickinson stuff, and I knew they had a different singer for their first two albums. I just didn't want to listen to it because I'm like, I like Bruce Dickinson's voice so much that it fits. I don't want to hear anything else. And then, um, I think after I saw him live and stuff, like they do some of those early songs, like the Iron Maiden and like Running Free, a song from the first album. Uh, that then, after hearing the Metallica a cover, I'm like, maybe I'll just give this other album another chance and. Uh, it's actually pretty good on its own too. So maybe I should have given it a chance uh, more before, <laughs> but thank you Metallica for making me appreciate other uh, stuff. Yeah. I, I love, that's one of the best things about this album is that it made me check out these bands that I never would have even heard of um, outside of Queen, of course, when they covered stone cold crazy. Um, 
nope, I clicked on the wrong thing. Um, sorry, there was one last point I was going to make. Uh, Iron Maiden's one of those bands I need to get, I need to look into because I've not heard much of their stuff. Um, I know Miles did the Trooper when I saw him solo two years back. Which yeah, was really that was cool. really cool. Yeah. Did he do that at the show you went to? Um, yeah, because I think, I think, didn't you see him on the, uh, basically like the second leg of the tour where they were kind of plugged in? Or did you see uh, him on the acoustic part? Oh, no, I saw they they were plugged in for the bulk of it. Um, okay, because I saw him in the spring where it was just him and a guitar and his voice and this one guy, Tim, I think, who's like tour manager guy and like manager mm-hmm. for Alter Bridge and that. He uh he kind of accompanied him I think on like a few songs but it was mostly just Miles and I think then yeah they went out with a full a band but uh yeah he he did the trooper then too and I thought it was really cool like he kind of I think he said he's going to do it like the style of Johnny Cash doing like Iron Maiden Oh nice You uh, I can't believe I'm going to mention this on my show and actually air this but it's so funny for some reason since I've never listened to a ton of Iron Maiden, I knew the song was familiar, but I thought it was a Guns N' Roses song. I don't know why, because I guess the way it, he played it, um, and it just made sense to me since he'd played so many Guns N' Roses songs with, you know, collaborate with Slash so much, especially in the early years of them touring. There were oh, so gotcha. many Guns N' Roses. And I don't know, but yeah, because it was a plugged in, um, and several of the songs they rocked out. Um, and interesting thing also about that is, um, the drummer is like uh, a guy he went to high school with and was like in marching band with. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. And I know he collaborated on the new album that will come out some point in 2021. But I know I'm going all over the place, so I'd probably a good time to take a quick break unless you have any last um, uh, thoughts on Garage Inc. No, no. We uh, kind of ran uh, the full... Uh, length of that like hitting both yeah. uh, discs and everything okay well um i want to take a quick break but we've got one more metallica thing we want to talk about when we come back second half of Sunday Groove. Um, we didn't actually mention it prior to the break, but we're going to break down the newest uh, Metallica live stream they did. It was uh, for their All Within My Hands uh, foundation. And um, it's it's really cool. Like, I was excited about it, but I originally wasn't going to watch it and then originally did not watch it. But then Andy told me about it, and then I saw the set list and... Uh, I definitely knew I had to check it out. Uh, so, yeah, what is the official title for it? Is it All Within My Hands or is it Helping Hands? What's it? What was it? I think called? All Within My Hands is their charity. And I actually think the show is titled Helping Hands. Uh, right? Because they did one previously in 2018. And I ended up buying a copy of that because I think it was just a charity only event if you attended it. And then. <laughs> Uh, they released the audio, and I think they were supposed to do it 
last year, but it got uh, canceled because I think James went into rehab right before. So they canceled the performance. And then this year it's back as like the online stream event. So. Right. Yeah, I just pulled it up on my phone. Helping Hands live at Metallica headquarters, benefiting and all within my hands foundation. So, yeah. Um, man, so uh, I they it was so successful and um, like so many people had watched it and wanted to watch it that they ended up extending it for like an extra two or three weeks and it ended on December 1st was the last you could watch it. Um, but yeah, it was so cool uh, getting to check this out because as obviously you know, um, you're in this world that we're in, um, live music isn't really a thing right now other than um, some venues do like socially distanced concerts, but that's like mostly like cover bands or like kind of little bands. And just me speaking as me, I'm too terrified to still go out and do those. Um, So a lot of bands have been doing live streaming, but not a lot of bands that I'm into have been doing it. So uh, for Metallica to do that, I think it's so cool. And especially for an, all of the proceeds to go to charity. And of course they did a really cool spin on it um, where for kind of benefited them and the fans where they had panels on the wall with like fans that had paid a lot more money were able to actually watch. Um, but Metallica could also see them. Um and so I know that had to make a difference to them so that they were actually seeing real people. Um, cause I've heard like some people said that doing the whole live stream thing was kind of depressing because, you know, you're not getting fan sounds. You're not getting to see your fans a whole lot while you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of part of the experience for them is seeing their fans and interacting with their fans and feeling that energy. So I think that was, Kind of the best way you could do it is the way Metallica did it for this. What are you, what are your thoughts on it, Andy? Um, I was pretty hyped up for it because, um, like, yeah, how how you had mentioned like there's no like live music concert experiences and bands have been doing the streams and and stuff. So like my friends and I like um, Jim Glass, who I'd mentioned before. And his sons, uh, who I'm good friends with, um, I'll just give him a shout out, uh, Gavin and uh, Griffin. We actually made an event out of it, and we got together in the afternoon, and we all wore Metallica shirts like we were going to a concert, and uh, uh, Griffin made lunch. Uh, so we really made like a big deal about it, because we've kind of gotten together uh, through uh, the pandemic and we've social mm-hmm. distance. We used to sit outside or in the garage and stuff and spread out. And now we're like, all right, we're going to have food. We're going to watch a concert. And uh, it was pretty awesome. And I just liked, even if we didn't have the concert, I would like getting together with them, but it made it more uh, special to me. And uh, I was trying to like, think about what the set list would be. And I think my friend Griff and I went back and forth. We're like, it'd be cool if they did like this song and so, in a split second, I was a little bit uh, disappointed when uh, they took that break and they came back and they were plugged in. I was like, oh, I wanted all acoustic because this is something different that they don't uh, normally do. But I guess my mind quickly like flipped because I'm like, yeah, like this is the first or the second time I think they did that drive-in concert, but they had pre-recorded it. So it's like... 
they haven't played in a year since that uh since the SNM2 show. They haven't played in a year, so of course they're probably itching to plug in and just rock out. So it kind of did make it cooler that they did half of the set like was acoustic and stripped down and the other half was them just like doing their uh normal thing. So it it actually made it more special, I guess. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I wish I'd made an event of it. Like, a, I, um, for whatever reason, wasn't very excited about it originally. And then you told me how good it was. And then when I saw the set list, I was like, okay, I'm watching this. Um, and uh, because it's very different, like that very, um, I mean, they still have a lot of their hits in there, but there's some, some new stuff, uh, some different stuff in there. And so, um, and especially the thought of it going to charity was really cool. So I know, um, I went for the, uh, the show, which was 15 bucks and I paid the $10 extra to get the MP3 versions, uh, which just finally, um, came out late Thursday night. I think it was, um, but, um, yeah, Andy had told me how good it was. And I was just like, well, if it's still available, I'm going to check it out. So, um, and so I figured cool. you would have gotten a kick out of one song that they did when they were plugged in. I feel like. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, and it was funny. You didn't tell me that when I, I saw the set list, I was like, oh my God. Yes. Um, so um, I guess I'll go ahead and jump there real quick. Uh, I was just trying I, to give you breadcrumbs. Like I didn't want to totally spoil it for you. So. No, and I'm glad <laughs> that you didn't. I kind of wish I had just hadn't seen the set list done it you know ju- jumped in it would have been even more exciting but it was cool um they played wasting my hate off of load uh which is a song that i've liked for years but fell in love with during um my preparation for my load and reload episode with russell and uh greg back a few months back i guess it aired maybe two months back um anyway like i listen to those albums so much because for that episode, if you didn't listen, we pared it down to um, 14 tracks out of 27. And so, um, just jumping around a smidge here, um, that made it my most played song, Wasting My Hate, of 2020 on Spotify. <laughs> Sweet. Um, actually, my entire top five uh, is... Uh, of strange things is all from load wasted my hate mama said cure until it sleeps and poor twisted me hmm. so like i and let me see if i can find that stat there was somewhere i think it said i listened to um wasted my hate like 35 times or something yeah no 31 31 times that i listened to it <laughs> over that month that i prepped for that episode uh which i know is obsessive compulsive but whatever um but I remember uh, Greg Russell and I talked about like, we would have loved to have heard that in a concert and we didn't know if they'd ever played it. According to the live stream, they said that they had not played it since 2011. So they had played it occasionally, but not often. So for them to bring in such a deep cut from an album that's hated by so many people and to not play a hit from it, but to actually play wasting my hate, that was so cool. Um, and so unexpected. Um, yeah, that was like the mark out. Like, I guess I don't know if you're familiar with the wrestling, but you'd like mark out at something like, yeah, 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 yeah. For me, that was like the mark out moment of the show. 
So do you you like that song a lot too? Like I like it, but I also kind of in the same way I just want something from that era of the band. So mm-hmm. if it would have been like maybe fuel, I would have been like, okay, uh, sure. They're at least trying to hit all the eras, but then to throw in like you said, like a deep cut, it like made it more like, whoa, yeah, right. Well, yeah, because they could have easily gone with the hit um, from Load, but no, they go with you know a, one that was not at all a hit, um, and that was just so cool, uh, and definitely something great for a fan. Um, I think along you know uh, that appreciates the deep cuts. I'm one of those few people that uh, hates just listening to greatest hits. Um, like I, I want to hear. I, I still contend that a lot of times the deep cuts are some of the best stuff from bands. Um, I really wanted to hear from that album um, hero of the day. Cause when I said I went mm-hmm. back and forth with my friend, I'm like, Hey, like I wish they would do like hero of the day, kind of stripped down in that setting. And then for them to still do something from that album was cool to me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Hero of the day would have fit perfectly in the acoustic part of it. Um, I wonder why they didn't. Only so many songs, I guess. Right. Um. Uh, but you were saying with deep cuts too. Like I feel like yeah, like Metallica. I really embrace just a lot of the deep cuts too, or all of them. But I mean, like, if I were to do uh, some of my favorite uh, song, like write down my top ten, like half of them wouldn't be uh, the hits or whatever you hear on the radio. Right. I could happily go the rest of my life with never hearing Inner Sandman again. Like, I like this. <laughs> the song's good. It's the song that hooked me. Like, I wouldn't be a Metallica fan if I had not heard Inner Sandman, or I would not have become a Metallica fan as early as I did if it had not been for that song. But, I mean, it's the most ever played song they made. So, um, yeah, to hear songs other than that, it's 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 great. But yeah, they, they open it up with Blackened, their reimagined acoustic version that they released when they were recording Socially Distanced, like they were all recording from their own homes. And it was kind of, it's well not kind of, it's a chilled version of, Metall- of Blackened. And uh, that was cool. That was really cool to see that live for the first time, other than them playing from their homes. Um, then they did the same thing with Creepin' Death, which is pretty cool. Um but the deep purple cover when a blind man cries that was uh on the third disc of hardwired um but this was even more special with it being acoustic uh i thought i just it really stood out to me what did you think about that one um i guess it didn't stand out to me as much because only because like i said i listened to or i bought uh, the first All Within My Hands album for mm-hmm. the Helping Hands show. So I expected them to basically do some of those covers and some of those versions of like songs. So it didn't, I guess, stand out as much because I kind of expected them to have that on Right. There. Yeah, I forget. See, I never listened to that a whole lot. Like I listened to it, I think, once, but I... Um... But yeah, where I'm looking at that uh, was played actually last year at the 
apparently they did do it last year. That's what the year is listed on um, Spotify. It could be wrong. But anyway, oh, because yeah. I guess the show was, I think, November uh, 2018, but the album didn't actually come out until like January, I think. So that's oh. why it's listed then? Yeah, because it's listed February 1st, and yeah, it would have been a fall yeah. thing. So yeah, it would have been 2018. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, it was played at that one. So yeah, that makes sense. Technical wow. nerd moment there. like. <laughs> <laughs> um. So for, for me, I enjoyed that one a lot. Yeah. And of course... You never can go wrong with the Unforgiven. Uh, that's one I won't get tired of, even though I know it's a huge hit. But I know one that Andy likes a lot uh, that I've gotten to more, gotten into more recently is Now That We're Dead. But the acoustic version of that was so cool. Like it was so different and unique. And um, I remember I was really rocking out to that song. I liked hearing it that way too because like some of those uh, songs, like at least watching the – I think you – I said you glanced at the set list and then saw the show. Like we didn't, I guess, have an idea of what uh, they were going to play at the time when we were watching it live. So when you hear some of those songs, like you're familiar with them, but then hearing them in an acoustic setting, I was like when they started doing the little intro, I'm like – what are these songs? I kind of looked at my friend. I'm like, what song is this? Do you know what this one is? And then we're like, oh my God, okay, it's this one. So like, I think I wasn't clued into some of those at the time too until James started actually singing some of the lyrics. Right. Well, yeah, I, um, luckily I'd forgotten some of the things from the set list. Cause I, I looked at the set list, decided I was going to watch it but did not watch it till like a week later so i'd i'd forgotten and so when that song started i'm like i know i know this this is really cool and then when he starts singing i'm like oh my god that's what this is so at least i didn't you know have it in front of me because i years ago i did that one time and i regretted it so much like uh before i saw foo fighters i looked at their set list which were very similar on that tour and so like I pretty much knew what to expect <laughs> the whole show and it was still one of my favorite experiences, but I could tell that it was just like, it took away the surprise. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm totally guilty of that. Cause I would look at setlist.com or I mean, I think it's dot FM actually, but I would yes, like look at is. that like religiously. And so mm-hmm. then when I actually went to the show, I'm like, Oh man, they got this song left to go. This song, this song, this song, five songs left. So then I was like, Ugh, like I start kind of looking like that kid who, I don't know if you've seen that gif or something where there's some kid at a show or a concert and everybody's like jumping around and he's like just standing there and not doing anything. And I think the caption was when you realize it's the last song and you got to go back to your uh, normal life or something. Like I kind of <laughs> feel like that kid. I'm like, great. Now I know I only got like two songs left and then I'm out of here. <laughs> so I try yeah. to just uh, look at like, once the tour starts and get an idea of what they're going to do. And then I don't look back because some bands do stick to the set list, but they'll mix up like one or two each night. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of want to see what they'll do. And then I don't look back. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a better way to do. Cause yeah, I remember, um, I knew they were going to do a pink Floyd cover that Tom. I knew they were going to do a Tom Petty cover. Like I knew, what covers to expect and it was just like no that should be a surprise yeah like i know when i saw uh blackstone cherry open for alter bridge the first time i saw them um uh, they did um uh, you don't know how it feels and 
I wasn't expecting that, and I will never get tired of that song. I know it's one of their biggest hits, uh, or Tom Petty's biggest hits, but it's a great song, and it's fun to sing along with. Um, so that, I don't know, yeah, it was, it's always nice to have that surprise moment. Um, and then, of course, I already talked earlier about Love and Turn the Page, so having them do that was awesome. Um Look, see, so I second, think it was cool that they did do like they kind of with this show they yeah hit all eras but I like how I think that first Helping Hands they did uh, um, Hardwired actually so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that they hit something else from the album instead of just sticking with the same song again right yeah that was really good that they did that um, and didn't do the one they didn't do that one at um SM2 either, so that's that's cool. Um, oh, yeah, that's right, because they did like Confusion, which was cool to actually get that for two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was that and Moth into the Flames, I think they did at SM2. Yeah. So, um, uh, and Halo and so, yeah. on Fire, right? Sorry to go off topic. No, you're good. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, they, they take a little break, they come back, um, do the electric, so. They start with Disposable Heroes, um, which is cool. But then they did The House of the Rising Sun. And that was so cool because I've not heard him sing in like a bass voice in a long time. And that was really, really cool and different. Um, and I thought they rocked it out really well. And then for that to bleed right straight into Wasting My Hate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just on cloud nine at that moment. I I, <laughs> I did not want the show to end at that point. I was just like, holy crap, this is awesome. Um, please play another hour, which, of course, sadly did not happen. But <laughs> Yeah, because uh-huh. I thought when they came back and they just did like, like one song or Disposable Heroes, I thought they were just going to do like – an encore or something and then they did keep it going so it was cool it's like what are they going to do are they going to keep going are they going to keep going mm-hmm. um my only gripes with the show is uh there were a, a few technical mistakes on both for whom the bell tolls and master the puppets um and that was interesting i guess just because they had not played those enough in recent history that they were a little rusty um did you notice anything or I know you're going off probably a month ago that you watched it. I didn't notice it, but I think you sent me a text that you did, uh, as you were watching, you're like, Hey, they, uh, missed this part. Yeah. James forgot which verse he was in and for whom the veil tolls, which is uh, much more forgivable than a screw up on a solo that, uh, Kirk did. Um, actually both Kirk and, um, James messed up some, some lead parts. Oh, really? Uh, guitar. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, like I think Kirk was just off time, whereas James actually hit a wrong note or something in one part of one of those songs, and it was like, "What the crap?" But oh wow! Once again, I... when you don't when you don't play together yeah. for a long time, maybe not rehearsed enough prior to it. Yeah, um, <laughs> even the songs that are second nature, you can mess up occasionally. I think maybe it could have been too. You're watching the show by yourself, so you're you have just yes. that focus. Whereas I'm with like three of my uh, really close buddies and I think um, we were talking a little bit and then we were laughing at 
uh, this one guy too that would occasionally show up on the screen. So it's like we were kind of distracted a little bit. So um, because there's a an older gentleman, I guess this face. It was just everybody else was interacting and it was live, but. This guy just looked like a still photo. So we were kind of looking around because they would move different squares around. So we're like, and I think my friend called him Otto. Or he said he was automatic or something. So he called him Otto. So we were just like, where's Otto at now? And turned into like, where's Waldo trying to find these people on the, the squares? No, his name actually was Otto. And it, oh, it was? Yes. And, and it's very easy to miss, but even Lars kind of uh, did a quick mention of Otto. He um, did? <laughs> yes, Where he made a joke because they were talking about people differently and others uh, not moving around or doing it. He's like, you know, whatever your thing is, you can be like Otto over there or whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, they had to be like, why the hell is that guy not moving? Like, is he alive? Is he, what is this? internet crappy maybe because that's possibly what it was maybe his internet was just crappy and he you know wasn't able to show his motion but it was just kinda, it was almost just a picture there because i never saw him move yeah and and you'd give me a heads up on watch out for auto so i when i saw him i about died yeah um, you're like is that your friend do you know that guy i was like no <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, i took was, a picture of that guy Right. I took a screen capture or whatever, and now that's my friend's little icon on my phone. It's <laughs> auto. <laughs> that's kind of like me and my weird inside joke. Uh, since we used to uh, mimic uh, Silence of the Lambs way too much, uh, Greg is actually Buffalo Bill on my phone. Um, <laughs> and actually, I, I, I don't I have my friend in my phone as Otto. Um, his name's Griffin, but my mom mistakenly called him Gherkin, so he's Gherkin in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, um, sadly, y'all can't support it and go, um, you know, pay um, to watch it like we did. I know last week it was actually on YouTube. Somebody had uploaded it, so if it's still there, check it out. Um or if you have money that you want to give away um, and give to a good cause, you know, you could definitely donate to All Within My Hands, I'm sure, still on their website, I would imagine. But um, the show definitely, Blast Day was December 1st. But, um, yeah, that was my my um, only show I've given that I've watched like that. I've watched a few other like short live streams, but never like, I guess my version I watched since I didn't watch the uh charity part at the very beginning i think it was just two hours so um but yeah it was really cool um definitely kind of gave me a little bit of a fix during this pandemic time it seems like it's been despite everything it's been an awesome year to be a metallica fan oh for sure um as like you know we knew that metallica snm was filmed in 2019 but we didn't for the longest time know when a DVD was going to come out. So getting that to come out in the early fall and then, you know, they maybe back in June or so that's when they debuted their new version of black end and stuff like that. They've, they've just been doing little things here and there and it's been great. Um, and so of course that inspired me to do my uh, five episodes of it, but hopefully y'all have enjoyed it. I know I've thoroughly enjoyed talking about it because 
they're a band that's been with me for more that I've been with for like 20 something years now. So it's, um, they're kind of <laughs> as weird as this might sound. They're basically like family to me as far as their songs, their music. It's definitely a huge part of my life. I feel the same way. Yeah. It's been like, they were like my favorite band or one of the ones that really got me into checking out bands more than just what I'd heard on the radio or whatever. So yeah, it's been with me, uh, for, I don't know, over 20 years, like 22 years, something like that. Nice. Oh, and now I'm getting all nostalgic and misty eyed here, man. <laughs> Metallica. Yeah, I'll never forget watching uh, Inner Sandman the first time the music video and just being like, this is really unique. Um, so anyway, do you have any closing thoughts about um, the Metallica show or just anything Metallica you wanted to say? Uh, no, just that it's been fun. Like, I'm glad this could get you a back into podcasting with Metallica. And thanks for having me. Oh, of course, man. Yeah, I'm As glad like to a have guest, you. I guess I would say I'm like a, a collaborator maybe instead of just like a, a guest or something. Because, uh, yeah, like you had mentioned I produced the uh, show for you. And um, um, I don't know. It's been cool to actually be like a multiple-time guest during this Metallica part because I like them as much as you do. So it's it's cool to just geek out. Yeah, for sure. And I remember actually one of the first times you guested, or I mean, not one of the first times, but one of my member Russell said that was probably one of my best episodes. It was, um, God, I don't remember which episode, maybe our Slash episode or something um, from like oh. a year or two ago. Um, yeah. And I remember he even told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, you need to have Andy on a lot. He's like, y'all have good um, back and forth. Um, so yeah, I know we've become good friends over the last few years um, and talk a lot. And yeah, how long have you been producing the show? Is it a year or two years? Uh, I can't remember when Todd um, got burned out and needed to take a step back. Probably um, like a year at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I almost kind of lost track of how many times I've been on the show because I think uh, now <laughs> it's been like three Metallica ones, I think. And then we did do the Slash, which I actually forgot about. I forgot about the Slash one because I thought the first one was our uh, top concerts. I remember talking about concerts. Mm -hmm. Then we did a Queen. We also did a pop music one that was like a top 40. And did yeah. we do Desert Island one? So this might we almost did. be like 10 times now almost or something. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, I think you're probably my most featured guest actually um, because uh, – um, I eventually might get back out of my comfort zone again, but like I enjoy talking to people that are passionate about music. And so I uh, kind of have my <laughs> crew of people that I go to and I enjoy it. It's, it's a lot, a lot of fun, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot. We feel like there was one other one we did, but that maybe I'm, I might be misremembering, but um, I want to give out a little bit of love to the feed I'm on too, just because um, I know we're still new and people, um, at least on uh, Podbeam, we don't have a lot of followers on there. I don't know about our other areas because I don't get the metrics for those. But anyway, it's Lillo, L-I-L-L-O, Podcasting Network. Uh, we're on Spotify, Podbeam, Apple Podcast. Um, right now, we're still just a, a three-show podcast feed, but I know there will be more in the future. 
Um, but right now, uh, at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, uh, is DC for you. It's Russell Sellers and Todd Weber talking about DC comic stuff. Most recently, they talked about George Perez's Wonder Woman comics run. And then Russell's other show, uh, 90 to Nothing, has Russell and Sam Neely talking about different 90s movies. Um, they give their impressions of it. Then they uh, um, sometimes talk about what could be a sequel for it or whatever it might be. But they most recently did The Rocketeer and kind of talked how it could have played into the Marvel Universe. Because actually, uniquely, The Rocketeer had the same director that later went on to do uh, the first Avenger uh, Captain America movie. Um, so that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Joe those- Johnston, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you watch those clown clothes together, there's a lot of similarities, um, but in a good way. So um, that's a that's a fun show on our network. And of course, Sunday Groove's on there. Um, I know, like I said, there's going to be some other stuff on there. But so far, it's just been our three shows. But um, very happy to be part of that. Um, and so, yeah, follow us on Twitter. It's just Lolo Podcasting Network. And then um, once again, I'll throw out my handles Sunday, Sunday underscore Grooves underscore, and then uh, Sunday Groove dot Lilo on um, Instagram. It's just, it's fun to hear uh, just anything. Hear your list, hear your thoughts on the topics, give me ideas. Uh, like I said before, I've done a lot of the ideas people have given me. Um, so, um, Thanks for listening to it. Uh, Andy, do you want any of them to reach out to you or follow you? Um, well, if you if you want, I changed my Instagram uh, a handle to Fists and Guitars because I guess I thought uh, that it's one of my friend's uh, band's The Great Affairs. Like, it's my favorite song from them or one of my favorite ones. So I thought I would just change it to kind of uh, like I just want to make more music uh, podcast or not podcast, but posts and uh, go away. Like I think I made some political stuff and I'm like, I want to get away from that. So I'll just uh, make more music posts. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was doing a podcast a sides uh, with Brent um, and I kind of stepped away cause the year kind of got to me. And he's done an all right job. He's done a good job of like uh, taking the lead and doing interviews with people. But we mm-hmm. recently had gotten back together and did uh, an episode on Judas Priest. So if anybody who's listening and is not familiar with A-Sides or um, anything like that and you like Judas Priest, you could check it out. Uh, we did our top uh, five albums and like ten songs. Uh, so you can find that wherever you can find podcasts like Spotify, Apple and whatnot nice yeah um yeah i haven't listened to that one yet but i know i listened to a lot of y'all's episodes um definitely uh how how long did y'all start that a couple years back or maybe just a year and a half back a year and a half back because we started uh the first episode was like labor day weekend 2019 and then we did it pretty regularly. It was like what it started out as was just us getting together every two weeks and talking about new albums. And then about in the spring, like we kind of broke off and we're doing like our own individual like interviews with various uh, bands. Like we talked to Damon Johnson, who's done like Thin Lizzy and like Black Star Riders. He's talked to some people. I talked to some people. So 
it kind of like is just a broad spectrum of like music. Yeah, the Damon Johnson and the uh, Denny uh, Smith episode, they're always, I think, two of my favorites so far from the uh, like from the interviews. Oh, well, thanks. But I would attribute it to them. Yeah, because like Denny, <laughs> he had so much to talk about from his record store that he owned. And then Damon, it's like that guy just like we didn't have to really do anything. We just uh, sat down <laughs> with him. And I think Brent um, – or actually Damon just started talking to us and we're like, Oh wait, we should probably start like rolling with this. And he just, he just talked like we didn't really have to do anything. Cause that guy was just like so open and honest with everything. And like, I've um, had other people tell me too, that they're like, man, that was a really good interview. And I'm like, no, Dame is just really <laughs> um, just a really great guy. Mm hmm. Well, it's still a great episode, so yeah. I just wanted to throw some love that being one of my favorite episodes to listen to. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, check out A-Side for sure. Um, so anyway, people, thank you for listening. I will be back next month, like I said, most likely with the Foo Fighters episode. And who knows what else is down the horizon, but there'll definitely be a new Sunday group each month. So um, be good to each other, and I will catch you all down the road. Yeah.